we've been studying how Jesus got through his bad day, how to live through a bad day. And Jesus, his bad day was on what we call Good Friday, but remember, it's only good for him. It, it, was, it was only good for us. It was bad for him. It was a bad day for Jesus. But he's teaching us, he's modeling for us in his worst day, what do we do when? What do we do when we have a bad day, when people uh, mess mess with us when, when, when they when they treat us wrong what do we do when we have unforgiveness in our heart and when we when we're struggling to to get past the past what do we do in those days and uh, he didn't just die for our sins on the cross he taught us some lessons along the way so our theme verse is Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 and uh, you guys can follow in your notes or right here it says keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race that we're in. So what we're doing is we're studying how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed, the exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, right? He, he could put up with the cross, with shame. Whatever came at him, he could put up with it because he never lost sight, right? So now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. So we're, we're studying, we've been studying how to live through a bad day. Let's take a look at today's text in, in Luke chapter 23. It says this, it, it was now about the sixth hour, which was about, about noon, okay, about, about lunchtime. It's about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the entire world, like the whole land, until the ninth hour, okay, at three o'clock. So from 12 to three, it's pitch black. And then it says, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And this seems like a misplaced scripture, but let me assure you, this is good news right here. See, there was a, there was a curtain in the temple that separated common man from the presence of God. Like you and I couldn't go into the Holy of Holies. There was only one person allowed into the temple, and that was the high priest. And he could only go one time a year, and he went on his tiptoes. You know what I'm saying? Like he went a little, he was a little scared. Because you, you had to be free of all sin and guilt, and you had to be ceremonially clean. So he went in with trepidation. Let's just say it that way. And, and it says the curtain of the temple was torn in two, just right there in the middle of this scripture. What that means for you and I is when that, when that veil was torn in two, that gave you and I access to the Father God. We can boldly approach the throne of grace because of that. Let's give God praise for that today. You and I can enter a relationship with God. Before, it was only the high priest who could go before God. Now, you and I can go before God. We have that relationship with him. Right after that, it says, oh, can I tell you, too, this is just an interesting fact, that some people believe the curtain was as thick as the width of a man's hand. It wasn't something like you just got some scissors and we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's, it's time. Oh, he, he, he's on the cross. Oh, let's slit it. No, it was one of those things where you, like, this was the hand of God. I believe one translation, one, one verse says that it was ripped from the top to the bottom. Only the hands of God could do this. And so at that moment, Jesus calls out, Father. Into your hands, let's go back. Uh, into your hands, I commit my spirit. That, that's his last words. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. And when he said that, he breathed his last. And what Jesus is teaching us here is lesson number seven. And that is, in our bad day, at the end of it all, we have to finally surrender your day to God 
and let it go. If you're taking notes, just jot that down. Surrender your day to God. And I know this is hard, but let it go. Let it go. So last week we talked about how statement number six was a, 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 it was a statement of triumph. It's finished. This bad day is over. Well, statement seven is a statement of trust. We have to trust the Lord. So while Jesus is feeling rejected by his father, he feels abandoned, even then he still decides to put his bad day in his father's hands. I give it to you, God, into your hands. I, I give you this day. I give you my spirit. I give you everything that I'm, I'm going through. And the truth is we'll never feel the presence of God until we decide to surrender. We'll never have the peace of God like we want it in our lives until we say, it's not mine anymore. I'm giving it to you, God. I can't do this on my own, right? So the problem is we like to co-manage. We, we, we like to take our problems and we say, God, um, if you just let me have that back for a minute, I'm going to get it set up where, where you can take it from here because I, I don't really think you're working on it like I need you to. So, Lord, let me have it back and uh, I, you know, because your ways are not my ways and uh, I'm gonna just going to take it back in my hands and I'm going to... I'm, I'm just going to work on this a little bit. We do that with our problems. Oh, God, take my problems, but give it back real quick because uh, you're not working on it fast enough, right? We do that with the Lord, with, our, with our, our bad days. And so Jesus, his last words are actually quoting Scripture from Psalm chapter 31. It's a direct quote from Psalm 31, and he says, free me from the trap. And we're going to find out what this trap is in a moment. But he says, free me from this trap, for, for you're my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. So what is this truth, this, this trap that, that the writer's talking about here in Psalm 31? What, what is he, the trap? I think it's a trap to not, to not give God our bad day. I think it's a trap to hold on to our bad day. I think it's a trap to worry about it. Come on, somebody. It's a trap to worry about it. And, and we all deal with worries, don't we? We all deal with worries. I, I know that uh, I worry about things sometimes. I, I, there's things that are out of my control that I'm worried about. Some of you are, and I'm not saying warrior. There's a difference between a warrior and a worrier, okay? So, y'all know what I'm talking about? There's a big difference. A warrior is like, yeah. A worrier is like, no. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's the difference. A lot of us, we, we worry about stuff. You worry about your health, like Boudreaux. Boudreaux went to the doctor, and he said, Doc, I think I, I, think I got something wrong with me. And the doctor said, Boudreaux, you good, man. You, you're going to live at least to 60 years old. And, and, and Boudreaux said, I am 60. And the doctor said, see, I told you. <laughs> you worried about stuff in your life. Some, some of us worry about our our finances, our, you, you worry about your job, we worry about our, our college funds for the kids, you worry about retirement. Some of you are worried about your kids, and, and you're staying up at night worried about your kids. Let me, let me just share a letter that I found this week about a, a, a son who wrote to his parents, and I hope it, hopefully it will encourage you. It says, uh, Dear Dad, it is with great regret and sorrow that I'm writing you. I had to elope with my new girlfriend because I wanted to avoid a scene with mom and you. I've been finding real passion with Stacy, and she's so nice. 
However, I knew you wouldn't approve of her because of her piercings, her tattoos, her motorcycle gang, and also where she works. But it's not only the passion, Dad. She's pregnant. Stacy said, we'll be very happy. She owns a trailer in the woods, and she has a stack of firewood for the whole winter. We, we share a dream of having many more children together. Stacy's opened my eyes to the fact that marijuana doesn't really hurt anyone. And we'll be growing it for ourselves and trading it with other people in the commune for all the cocaine and ecstasy we want. In the meantime, we'll pray that science finds a cure for all of her diseases so she can get better. She deserves it, Dad. But don't worry, Dad, I'm, I'm 15, and I know how to take care of myself. <laughs> Someday, we'll come back to visit so you can get to know your many grandchildren. P, uh, it says, love, Joshua. P.S., uh, Dad, none of this is true. I'm over at Jason's house, and I just wanted to remind you there are worse things in life than the report card on your desk. <laughs> yeah. He said, call me when it's safe to come home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we worry about stuff. Man, if you're reading that as a parent, you're like, what in the world is going on? You're relieved to find out. You're like, yeah, that report card can wait. It's not a big deal. So maybe, maybe some of you students can try that, right? You just... Well, um, I, I love silly church signs. I really do. I, I'll take pictures of them sometimes. I found some good ones around here in Wichita Falls. And, uh, but but when, I was, when we were living in Alabama, there was a, a church, there was a gentleman's club called the Pink Pony. And not far from this gentleman's club was a church, and they used to put up their signs. And one, one day... They had a sign that said, Jesus is coming back on a white stallion, not a pink pony. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, you know, we, I love those signs, and I found a really good church sign that goes along with the message today. It says, don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. So we're going to take you out today. We're going to help kill you today. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think it's what they meant, right? Don't let worries kill you. Let the church help kill you. No, that's not it, right? So uh, today we're actually going to study a passage of Scripture that comes from the Sermon on the Mount. And this is Jesus' most famous sermon, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And in this sermon, uh, he talks about worry. There's a whole section on worry. And right at the end of this section, uh, uh, the section above it, there's a verse that kind of sticks out. And I think it goes well with this, with this verse. So in Matthew chapter 6, this is the Sermon on the Mount. It says, no one can serve two masters. This is, the, this is the scripture above the section on worry. This is actually in the money section of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, no one can serve two masters. You'll either hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And that's why I tell you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food? and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds, Jesus says. Uh, they don't plant or harvest or store food in their barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And he goes on in the next verse, and he says, aren't you far more valuable to him than, than a bird, than a rat with wings? You know what I'm saying? Like you're, you, you matter to God. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies, Jesus says how they grow. They don't work. They don't make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all of his glory, 
was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, He will certainly care for you. And I love this last sentence. Why do you have so little faith? In other words, like, why is it so hard to believe that Jesus cares for us? Why is it so hard for us to believe that Jesus will meet our needs? And so this message today goes out to all my fellow worriers, right? To the people who who are worrying. And worry, let's just break it down. Worry is simply making a statement to God that I I don't really trust what you're doing, Lord. I'm going to take back what I've given you because I don't think you're paying attention to the right things. So I'm going to I'm going to take it back. I'm going to worry about this. I'm I want to be in control of my of my things, my issues, right? So we take back what we ought to leave into God's hands. And that's why Jesus said into your hands I commit. I'm giving it to you, God. I can't Father, I can't handle this. So he gave it to to to, to God, right? All right, so here's the deal. When, I was, when we were getting ready to plant this church, uh, I, I did a little bit of research, and I thought, I want to find out what people in Wichita Falls are struggling with. What are, what, what are they going through? What are people dealing with in Wichita Falls? And I came across some statistics about your worries and, and the people of Wichita Falls' worries. And so I got a little worried about your worries, right? And, and, and here are some thoughts from, from some research that I did. Um, 42% of people in Wichita Falls are worried. That's the word they use, worried about their personal health. Worried about their personal health. 32% are worried about day-to-day finances, like how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to pay for Johnny's lunch? How, do, how are we going to take care of the rent? Where's, where is next week's gas money coming from? Concern. Um, this one I think is a little low. 18% are dealing with alcohol or drug issues. And I say it's low because we're in a religious community where nobody has issues, right? And so you don't want to put on a little survey that you have issues, but we all have issues, right? So I think that's probably a little bit higher than it really than, than it shows on here. But then it goes on to say 23% are dealing with teen and child problems. 48% of our community, nearly half of our community, is worried about financial security, like retirement. What do I do when, uh, like, for, for, for moving forward? What, do I, what happens, right? They're worried. 27% of our community is dealing with significant stress. So we worry about stuff like that. We're a worried community. So I want to just take a moment to, to kind of help show you how to let it go, how, how to just put some practical Christianity in place. How about that? Are you with me today? So I, I apologize for being really very simple, but what you're about to hear is like, you, you might think, dude, I could have come up with that myself, right? But I think it's what the Lord wants to say today. Philippians chapter four kicks us off with this. It says, don't worry about anything, instead pray. So you, you see those first four letters in yellow? I want you to say that with me. Say, don't worry, instead pray. Don't worry, instead pray. Man, what, what if every time we worried, we got in that, and, and instead of, like when we have a thought of worry, what if we turned it to a prayer immediately? Like every time that you're, you're tempted to, to worry about something, you go, God, I thank you that you are my supply. You take care of all my needs, and you turn that into a prayer. 
Don't worry about anything, Paul says. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs. In fact, he already knows before you ask. And if you do this, if you don't worry and you pray, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. How many of you could use some peace today? I'm telling you, man, I could use some peace. We can, but here's the key. Don't worry. Instead, pray. That's the key. So I want to give you three thoughts today. Three things that you can do to just let go of the worry and, and, uh, and lean into to God, all right? So number one is this. Just get to know God. I, I know that sounds really simple, but get to know his nature, his character, to know that he's not a God who, who wants to put you under his thumb. He's not a God who wants you to be burdened down and carrying things that you weren't meant to carry. That's not the nature of God. As you get to know him, you're going to find out he already knows what you need before you even ask, but you don't have because you don't ask. That's what the scripture says. You, you have not because you ask not. And Jesus said, if you will ask anything in my name, I'll do it. But we're not asking. He knows what you need, so we've got to Verbalize. We've got to ask him, God, I, I need you. So when you get to know God, you're going to know that he cares about your situation more than anybody else ever could. There's nobody who's more concerned, more caring about where you are in life than God is. And most of us worry about things that'll never happen. Can I get a witness? We worry about things that'll never happen. We, our worry comes from imaginations and hallucinations. We imagine conversations in our mind. I know you do this because I do it. No, uh I'm going to tell her this. And when she says this, I'm coming back with this. And when she says this, I'm coming back with this. And, I, and you, have these, you have these false conversations. Make believe in your head. And, and you, man, you, it's working you up. Your blood pressure starts boiling. Like you're ready to, come on, I'm ready to scrap right now with somebody. Let's go. Come on, I'm putting somebody down. And you're like, dude, it's okay. It's not a big deal. But we get ourselves worked up. We hallucinate, like not real hallucinations, but we can visualize it in our mind. Like I, I just, I, you see it happening. And you convince yourselves that things were said and done that never were said or done. Can I get a witness? Mm. Yeah, I, I know because I've been there. I've had those things happen to me. And when that happens, you know it's time to like, to like have a conversation <laughs> with, with somebody. Right, You know it's time to, to get it off your chest. So I Googled, I wanted to know, are there benefits of worry? And believe it or not, there are thousands of websites dedicated to what they say are benefits of worry. But really, I was just trying to debunk it because all, all, no matter how you shake it, no matter what, how you look at it, there is no benefit to worry. It can't do anything for us. Jesus said in verse 27 of, verse, of chapter 6, can... Any one of you, by worrying, add an, a single hour to your life. Another translation says, can, can you add a moment? Another translation says, can you make yourself an inch taller by, by worrying? No, we can't fix anything by worrying. And in verse 32, he says, people who don't know God worry over these things. So if people who don't know God worry about it, then people who know God shouldn't worry about it. Because once, once we get to know God, we can trust God. And once we trust God, we know he's got our back, right? 
Can I get a witness? Amen. All right, number two, the second thing, the second thing you can do to let it go is, is to just put God first in every area of your life. Put him first in every area. The words that we read, the very first passage of uh, uh, the very first part of this scripture said, you can't serve two masters. You, you either love one, hate the other, right? You can't have two masters. Two things can't be number one in your life. There can only be one number one. All right, and I have a friend in Alabama. He, he's, uh, he wrote a country song, and, and it goes like this. If I can't be your number one, number two on you. All right? Can I just say, if God's not your number one, then don't be surprised if life feels like a number two. You know what I'm saying? Like, Don't be surprised if things aren't going well and you haven't put God first. I just don't understand why all this is happening. I don't understand why I'm going through this. Have you prayed about it? No. Have you talked to God about it? No. Have you been going to church? No. Have you in small group? No. Are you doing anything for the Lord? No. Well, don't be surprised, right? So you got to put God first in every area of your life. What would it look like if we put him first in our time? in our talents, with our treasure, that, that we just pour everything that God cares about. What if we poured our life into that first? And the scripture says in verse 33 that if we do that, if we seek him first, his kingdom, his righteousness, then he'll take care of everything else. So instead of seeking the healing, seek the healer. Instead of seeking the, the salvation, seek the savior. Instead of seeking the provision, seek the provider. Do you, are you hearing me today? Seek him first and everything else is going to come to fruition. Amen, pastor. That's real, that's real good. He's putting, putting for birdie here on hole number three. Oh, that was great. Yeah, that, <laughs> the golf clap. Seek first his kingdom, man, his righteousness. His, he loves you. He wants to provide for you. Don't seek all the gifts, all those things that he does for us are secondary. Don't seek them. Seek him, and he'll provide. He loves you guys. He cares about you. So you, you, here's what you got to do. You know him. Get to know God. Then put him first in every area of your life, and then Number three, live one day at a time. One day at a time. Some of you have an umbrella open and it's not even raining outside. I'm talking about in your life. Like you're under an umbrella and it's a beautiful day like today. But you're afraid of all the things, all the worries and all the things that haven't happened yet. You're living your life in fear and anxiety over, over things that are way beyond your control. And you're worried. You're living under this umbrella. And yeah, you're protected from anything that might come your way, but you're also missing out on a lot of blessings that God wants to throw your way. You're missing out on the beautiful day. You're missing out on the sunshine. You're missing out on every good and perfect gift that God wants for you because you're, you're living under the umbrella. And can I, can I just tell you, you need to take it one day at a time. The scripture says in, in verse 34, don't worry about tomorrow. Why? Because tomorrow will worry about itself. It's not even here yet. And you're letting it ruin your day. You're worried about a court appearance. You're worried about a new job. You're worried about a probation period at work. You're worried about 
passing the final in, at the university. You're, you're worried about the bad write-up you got at work, whatever. You, you're worried about those things, and, and it's kind of controlling your life. And Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Just live in the now. Live in the now. What would it look like if we did that? If we just lived in this moment right now? Jack Hayford, he, he wrote the book that we've kind of based this series off of. It's called How to Live Through, the, Through a Bad Day. And, and Jack says, says it this way. To live through a bad day. Indeed, to conclude this bad day is to place it into the hands of God and leave it there. To place it into the hands of God and leave it there. And when I read that, it reminded me of, it reminded me of a, a passage of Scripture. Actually, it reminded me of an old hymn. You, you might not know it, but... It's called Leave It There. They said, If the world from you withholds Of its silver and its gold And you have to get along On meager fare Just remember in his word How he feeds the little bird Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there. Leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you'll trust and never doubt, he will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Yeah. And that's what some of us need to do today. You're holding on to it like, like you, 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 you're in control. And it's time for you to just leave it there at the altar. Leave it with Jesus. Would you, would you bow your heads with me today? And I want you to just take every worry, every concern that you have, everything that you're going through, everything that's frustrating you in life, every, every bad day experience that you maybe comes to mind, maybe you're going through some stuff right now, I want you to take it in, in, a, in a very real way, just kind of take it in your hands like you were about to give it to somebody, like you're about to hand it off. Just take it in your hands. And I want to pray for you today. God, I thank you that we can leave our burdens at the foot of the cross. Lord, you, Jesus, you died for our burdens. You died for our pains. You died for our bad days. You didn't just die for our sins, but you died to teach us some lessons along the way. And so, God, we're, we're hungry to learn those lessons. And, Lord, we say 
this bad day, this experience, this worry, this concern that we've been carrying is not our own. We can't carry it anymore, Lord. So we decide right now we're going to leave it there at the foot of the cross. And just picture in your head, church, just picture you leaving it there. And, and, and it being broken from your life. And you're not going to pick it back up. You're not going to put it back in your hands. You're leaving it with Jesus, committing it into his hands. You're giving it to God today. Well, we give it to you. We surrender to you.